Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of The Sausage Factory. This is brought to you by Spong.com. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their start in the industry, what their influences are and what inspires them. It's split into two halves. The show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game they're here to promote. And in this case, it is Forced by Beta Dwarf. So, uh, hand over to Stefan, please in- introduce yourself. Who are you? Hello, I'm Stefan Kavagot-Groning, and I'm the CEO at Beta Dwarf. I'm my, my responsibility here is game directing and then managing the, like the team. So I do a wide range of stuff like doing the marketing and hiring people, but also the <clears throat> high-level concepts of the design of the game. And I've been there all from the start. So we've made we've been growing and making Forced and our company simultaneously. So we've been going for three years and we just released Forced for three weeks ago or something. Um, and we started out... Uh, two founders, and we quickly grew to nine people. Um, and I've been, I've been doing a lot of the design from from the start. So, how did you get started personally into making making video games? How did you get into this thing? Were you always doing it? Were you doing something else before? How did it all kick off for you? I was totally focused on uh, being in the industry. Um, I, after gymnasium, I decided to draw so I could get into the uh, into gaming. Um, okay. And then I found a, like a programming university class, and I got totally hooked by programming. So I kind of could uh, do a little of both. Um, and then I met my founding friend, my partner, and he was like a way better programmer than me. So it became more okay. obvious that I became like the designer. And that was also really good because I could both talk with the artists and the programmers. So you have empathy then with all your members of your team because you have experience of doing, working on the art and working on programming. So you won't ask the impossible. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I think it makes it a lot easier to design stuff because you know it's possible and you have an idea of how long it takes. Yeah. I mean, I think it really shows in Force the Game, which we'll be chatting about later, but it does really come out that you've pushed it to, pushed, gone to places where many people go, you know, we haven't got time to do this. And it shows that you've actually said, no, we do have time. I know we can do this and we're going to do it. Um, so that's, that's really good. So you've got, what was, what's your stronger, what, what do you get most out of those three branches of, of game development? Is really, you'd say you're the designer. So is that where you really, get the buzz off making games is actually designing the mechanics of them yeah i think so yeah uh, that's the the funniest part and the but also the daily rhythm of being like this big team now where we are between 10 and 12 on a daily basis and having an idea or having an idea and then executing it through your team where you sit down in a small group of artists and programs and then actually implement the future and directing the feature from from the start and until it's done that's super super awesome cool and I mean, I'm a big tabletop game. I love playing tabletop games and stuff. And I just there's some correlation between video games and tabletop games as well. Don't get me wrong; I play all sorts of games. I don't care what format they're in, as long as it's fun, and I get entertainment. Some not necessarily fun, but I get something from it. Um, is there some similarity between the design of those sort of forms of games? I mean, do you, I know a lot of video game developers actually use pen and paper or tabletop gaming to actually create some mechanics before they then go on to develop games how, how, how is the process for you is it similar to that or not 
Uh, I would say yes. I mean, a lot of the fights, for instance, that we made in Forced uh, start out in paper form where we kind of like try to in real time move our bricks around. Uh, but the huge uh, like challenges that there's a huge challenge or difference between turn-based mechanics and, and action-based and it's it's harder to predict in your brain how yes. an action-based game is. Right, yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, but we really love tabletop games as well. Played a lot of King of Tokyo. Yeah, I love that game. There's a new expansion come out at uh, Halloween, I think. It was really good. It's good fun. But anyway, okay. yeah, it's I do love uh, tabletop. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. It's sort of rediscovered them about three or four years ago, and uh, um, just got into some. My favorite at the moment is Kemet. I love that game. Um, oh. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's made by the same people who did Cyclades. Excellent game. I would recommend that. K E M E T. You can look it up yourself. It's quite easy to get hold of too. Um, now, yeah, to check it out. It's cool. It takes up the five players. Anyway. My next point, my next question, and thanks for being so open about how the process, because people, I think people get a big kick out of knowing how it all works, is what are your biggest influences when you're making games? What are the things? It could be anything. I don't care what it is, but just what are the things that you keep on, keeps on lodging in your mind? Like, oh, I got a kick out of this, or I, I get something from this. What, what are your influences that before you start? That's a pretty it's good quite a broad, question. It's a broad question, I know, but is there anything... It's like what inspires me? Or? Yeah, what inspires What particular sort of piece of medium that you glom onto and you keep on, seem to be bouncing off of, uh, like a I big th- sort of, you know? Like I think one. it's playing other games. Yeah. Uh, um, and I think when designing, we, we look a lot of other games and what's cool there. And I think most games basically are combinations of other games, uh, slightly better made maybe. Right. So it's, I do, again, there's, there's definite influences in, 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 uh, in force that I'd see, but it's, it's not obvious. Um, it's sort of oblique really, because you get some, you get some, there's puzzle elements from some games and there's combat elements from others. And like, but it's not. Yeah. It's a bit. It's good that it's not directly. Like, oh, it's exactly like that. I said no. You can't. You can't pin it down. No, and no, no. And that's 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 very obvious. Maybe if you want a more concrete example, for instance, the the orb mechanic or mechanic, which is like a huge part of Forced, and we don't need to go into it. But uh, no. but how we sort of approached that was well, how we approached that was uh, that we wanted to make something that was shared between the players. And it actually started out with being shared health and then shared mana, and then we wanted something more visually apparent, and then it became the shared orb. So this is a more personal question, maybe, but is there any particular developer or, or company that, or, or person that you admire in this industry, and, and, and why, do you, why, do you, why do you look to them as for inspiration? Mm, maybe, yes. I kind of admire the team that made Bastion. Um, because they're, I think we relate a lot to them because they're small as well and they're just really good at scoping a game. Yeah. Uh, um, it's not that I think Bastion is the greatest game in, in, in history and I haven't really completed it, but I've played it a lot and I, and I just think that what they did in such a short amount of time was really, really awesome. Yeah, they've got Transistor coming out on the PS4, haven't they? I think next year. Um, yeah. That that looks. I did play that at PAX East this year and PAX Prime. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, and 
I know Greg Kazavin, he's, he's, he works over there um, do, working on that. And yeah, I can see why. I mean, it's very imaginative, and what they did with that game is, you're right, it's not, it's, um, it's an extraordinary title. It's like a bit of a milestone, really, but it's, um, it does have its flaws, like all games do, but uh, it, it's still nonetheless an excellent, excellent game. Uh, yeah, it's up yeah. there. It's made, like, it's made by seven people or something, and there's only one yeah. artist. And it, it's just so impressive how how much game they made as such a small team. Yeah, amazing. So this is something that's sort of a mirror of other podcasts, but I always like to ask developers this because you said earlier that your influences are playing other games, and I do believe that the best game designers are the people who play games. There are some out there who don't, oddly enough. I've never really encountered them, but apparently they exist. Uh, and I'm just going to ask you, what are you what's, what's diverting your attention now, apart from, of course, when you're working away at Forced and your future projects? Of, what, what, what are you playing right now? Um, I'm playing a lot of roguelikes. So I'm playing a lot of Spelonghi and Binding of Isaac, uh, and I'm going to try out Warframe. Uh, not that it's uh, roguelike, but it's but it's an interesting like PVE MOBA attempt. Yes, it's on the PS4, isn't it? It's come out. It's also on Steam. It's also on Steam. I should check. It's a free to play, isn't it? Yeah, it is free to play. Yeah, that's interesting. And what what draws you to roguelikes? What's a particular? They are quite punishing. But what's your? Yeah, it's, I think it's interesting that every single like hour you spend with it, you reach a certain um, challenge tension point because you will die, and it's just so exciting to play near the point where you are almost dying. Right, you just because that's on... so hectic. Yeah, I mean, Biden of Isaac is is the one I've actually played the most. I think. Uh, yeah. I think as the uh, most people can say that Spelunky. Oddly enough, I never really got into because. I'm rubbish at platformers. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like well, Mario. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it punishes you for, for inability to jump. Um, in, in my younger, younger days, many years ago, when I was playing on the old 8-bit machines, probably, um, I was playing like Manic Mine and stuff like that. I mean, I was great on those, but that was when I was like 12. Now, my hand-to-eye coordination is not there anymore. And if, if a game, I mean, for me, if a game is like platformers, they, if they don't, if they're not precise enough, like Little Big Planet suffered terribly from this, it was a bad platformer because it was just floppy and it's just like all of the. And when, when he jumped, I mean, this is for me to you as a you know as an audience member and a game designer to you. Uh, why do they have like platforms covered in grease? I mean, it's like, but I made it. Oh, no, <laughs> just flop off. And uh, there's been situations where I previewed a game and I'm just like sitting there, embarrassing. Sitting, the developer sitting next to me. I'm sitting there going. I can't make this jump. It's all over the place. Everything's covered in grease. Why? Uh, and I just I like precision, and I think Nintendo get that right. You know, Nintendo get that right with the with you know with Mario games. They're just like, yep, it, it don't, they don't really hit you that hard. I mean, now, Super Mario Galaxy is like extremely awesome, and I played it yes. the first time like two months ago, and it, it blew my mind. I, I yeah. haven't played a platform for a ton of years, or yeah. not a ton of years, but a long time, and that was just so fun. It is, and people say, and that's a game of generation, people are double-taking, like, I'm sorry, because like, people love doing lists, and because at the end of this generation in inverted commas and a new one starting days from now, although, you know, for PC people, like, we've been here for weeks and months now, so, but anyway, the argument aside, people are sort of putting that up as a potential, and I did as well myself, because 
you know, unless you've experienced it, then the retort is, but it's a Wii game, so that's irrelevant. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lovely, it doesn't matter about the platform, this, this game is just stunning. Both of them are, one and two, mm. they're both brilliant. And uh, that's why I say never, never underestimate Nintendo, ever. Never think they're out of the game, ever. They're just, they're, they, live, they exist in this little bubble of themselves, and yeah. um, they, they try to actually embrace you know, the more mainstream stuff, but it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really um, kick in as much as it should. But, um, you know, Zombie U is fun and that sort of thing, which kind of relates to a question I've got about uh, about Force, which kind of moves us on to second half of the show, which is really me asking you specifically about, um, about Force and this glorious game. And I'll give you sort of a breather, sort of like give us an introduction about, well, first off, Tell us about this extraordinary backstory in that you're playing a slave. Mm-hmm. So could you just tell us a bit about that and how that... Because it's very dark, isn't it, when, when it kicks in? It is in. a bit dark, yeah. So basically you are this uh, slave, enslaved uh, folk that lives in a deep um, cavern. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once in a while you are forced into a hole basically where you, and you don't really know much about it and then you realize that you are being forced into gladiatorism um, and then it's kind of like inspired by the gladiator movie where you are forced to fight for your freedom basically and then you go through a ton of different trials and you have these uh, five big um, gladiator guardians which are basically examinators and um and these guys are supposed to pass you, and once you've completed all of them, you might get your freedom, and that's what you're like fighting for. And then there is a small plot twist because you end up perhaps killing the first one, and that's totally illegal. So you might have jeopardized your freedom there. But it, right. to be honest, it's not a deeply, deeply story-based game, but it, it definitely has some story. No, it's good. I mean, I like to see plot and you know depth. Even in, I just think um, there's there's some games here that clearly don't need story at all, especially puzzle games on an iOS device or something. But when it comes to this sort of thing, I think your your the game itself, Forced, is much more uh, it's action orientated and it's it's actually helping each other out. It's a bit of empathy there, but uh, which leads me on to the next thing. It's really about the structure of the game and the fact that it is an action puzzle combat game. Or action adventure puzzle game is that one way to describe it? Yeah, and I would also call it much more arcade because on the oh, surface yes. it yes. might it it might look a bit like Diablo or Torchlight or something like that, but it's much more arcadeish in the feel because it's not so much loot focused; it's much more skill focused. So it's like in Mega Man where you in theory can dodge every single attack. You can also do that in Forced, and you just have to figure out how you do it. Indeed, there's um, several classes. Uh, my favourite is the archer. Uh, I just love dodging everything and oh, yeah. take, taking everything out from 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 uh, from a distance. Um, but there are others with the large sledgehammer. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. But um, so let's just talk a bit about this the structure. So you can play. I believe it's one of four types. Yes. Yeah, four different so characters. Four different characters. So can you take us through all those those four. Yeah, so, so have, I'm talking uh, about the archer already. Um, yeah. yeah, the archer is the only one who's uh, only ranged. Um, yeah. Then we have a like a fast, swift class which uses some spirit daggers, mm-hmm. and he's the the one who attacks fastest. 
Um, he doesn't do particular powerful attacks, but he has some, and he's mostly into doing single damage or single foe uh, wow. damage. And then we have the Volcanic Hammer, who's able to hit a lot of enemies at the same time, even with his basic attack. And he's kind of slow, and he has to he has to really use his basic attack as a resource because it takes some time before it's charged up again. Yeah, and I noticed that there's this mechanic where the more hits you have against the enemies, you then can unleash some quite something more, more violent, uh, more aggressive. And I've done that with the archer a lot, where you sort of take five hits and all of a sudden, bam, you unleash something quite devastating and wipe out not only the enemy you're shooting at, but the foes around him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, so- uh, it's, that's the mark system in the game. So basically every single uh, basic attack that you can perform adds a small little mark above the enemies. And That's right. And most of your special attacks can consume these marks to deal even more damage. So, for example, your chain lightning arrow, it will bounce between targets and deal damage according to how many mar- marks uh, the enemies have. So in that way, you can also cooperate because the marks are they can be applied by one player and utilized by another player, and that makes also the co-op pretty deep. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a moment. Let's just focus more, a little bit more. On, on the mechanics, there's one more mechanic I want to talk about. Was, I mean, there's those abilities that you gain, and the, the better you do the levels, because you can replay levels over and over again to actually get better and better at them. Because, like you say, this is more of an arcade game than it is an uh, action adventure. I mean, ostensibly, if you look at the screenshots, it looks like, oh, it's a hack and slash. Actually, no, it's not. It's way more than that. Um, I likened it a little bit more to, it's more towards, and it's not an insult. And anyway, please, it's more gauntlet like. Uh, I actually played Gauntlet very recently, and it's like, yeah, there's some element. You know what I mean? It's just like there's some element to it because Gauntlet was was a pure arcade game, and the whole, in fact, the whole design behind it was for you to put more money into it because you're you know this, but the money, your your health constantly depletes, even mm. when you're not doing anything. You're just constantly like, oh great! And so it's that the whole idea is like, well, if you put another credit in, you'll stay alive. Like, lovely. Um, but be that as it may, there was some correlation between. Uh, between this uh, and the speed of it as well, especially. But there's way more, of course, on strategy and um, to actually, uh, more tactics, I should say, strategy, um, of actually taking the the enemies out as quickly as possible and the most efficiently as possible as well, because it's all about timing. And also, you you are on a clock, uh, because you do these levels quickly, then you actually get rewarded for it, don't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I notice at the end of each one, there's like a, a par that you get like oh you did it in the x amount of minutes or x amount of seconds what have you um yeah, yeah. which is really cool but i want to talk about balthus yeah uh, and the, this, the spirit guide person thing orb now do you want to talk about him just to, to give him give him give us the, uh, the, the the pitch on on this fellow on this being that's with you so that so that guy is your spirit mentor and he's there from the start he's kind of like your friend but he also has to obey the rules and he will kill you basically if you don't obey the rules um and you also utilize uh, utilize him as a as a mechanic in the game where he's kind of a shared football in some way where every player character can uh, call upon him and then the spirit uh, or Balthus will move to and he's like resembled by a small spirit shape uh, that looks like a spirit ball basically and so when you call him he flows to your character and what's interesting about that is the path that he takes to your character because that path is where he can hit objects that you couldn't uh, 
normally not hit. So, for instance, there would be like an object on the ground uh, called shrines, typically, and the only way to activate that would be to maneuver him across the shrine, and that becomes uh, very interesting and makes you move around on the battlefield a lot. Definitely, I found myself. I mean, in order to heal, you got have to get him across a. You have to move him across a shrine, and that can be quite fun, especially when you got other creatures trying to rip your face off while you're trying to do that. Like, no, I'm really, I'm trying to heal. Please go away. Um, but yeah. there, he can kill you. Um, there's one where this is very early in the game. We're not spoiling anything uh, because it's even part of the tutorial almost, where you have this one where he turns into this ball of explosion death. And yeah. he can he can destroy statues and that sort of thing, um, and uh, that's, that's the things he does initially. Later on, it gets more complex. But I did when I first started that. I thought, oh, he can do that, and I found, and accidentally hit me and almost killed me at the same <laughs> time. And, and he, in, in his defence, you know, and because there's, there's, I was going to talk, about, I'm going to talk about the voice acting because I'm really impressed with that. Um, but he uh, he's kind of sardonic, isn't he? He's quite. He's quite dismissive of the Guardians, isn't he? He doesn't. Yeah, yeah. But he we'll doesn't talk- really like that company. No, he's, he has very little time for them. But we'll talk about that later. But I just want to talk about the, the mechanic of, of him and also the design of the game. What came first, him or the co-op element of the game, or is it just all? Can you remember? Because this seems to be the, the game seems to be revolving around the mechanic of passing this ball from one player to the other. Am I yeah, right in so thinking that? We, we wanted to make a co-op game more than a single-player game, um, but we wanted to make sure that the game was still fun in single-player. Um, but it's, it's mostly a co-op game rather than a single-player with co-op. Um, yes, yes. So, so I think we made sure that, that the old mechanic was um, very, very fun in co-op and then made it uh, playable in single-player as well. Okay, so that's what how it came about, that this orb was meant to encourage players to work with each other because they have this thing that they have to interact with as a group. Yeah, we wanted to make a, a mechanic that, uh, that uh, required people to communicate a lot, and it definitely does. Which is, that's really clever because that's something that's a problem with, you know, co-op games is that it requires, some games are like, uh, like you say, single player that happen to be co-op. Like, well, yeah. you know, and I think there's, there are, we can we can list a bunch of examples. Probably unfair to us to do so, but it does happen a lot. Um, whereas, like I say, installing something that doesn't—it's not so imposing that you don't want to get involved with it. But it 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 it's so key to the game that um, it actually it's the one mechanic that is so unique to it. Mm. Again, I can't really relate it to anything else. I'm trying to I'm struggle. I mean, was there anything that you you discovered that, like, was it just basically sports games that you related it to, or...? Yes, slightly, yeah, but I think we also took huge inspiration by, by Left 4 Dead, meaning that we right. we wanted to make some actions where where your teammates were required to take actions, um, although, and if they didn't do that, then you would die, basically. So uh, that's also the pin mechanic that... Uh, yeah. um, but but yeah, for instance, in the game, there are some scenarios where he makes a spherical line around him, and if you cross that line, he will execute you. And there, are, you have to really maneuver him as a team um, to avoid getting executed there. And that's usually extremely hilarious for people. Yeah, kind of. When I saw that, 
there's, there's, I saw videos and I've actually experienced it myself. It reminds me of a little bit of the film The Cube. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? But it's just like everyone's got their own little role and everyone's good yeah. at certain things. And it really brings out that aspect of people because when they're bonding and working together, like, no, no, we'll do this and that. And it happens in co-op games. It's all like pandemic and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. uh, although uh, those co-op games can suffer from the um, one person dominating the other going, if you do that, you do this. Uh, that can happen, especially with pandemic. But uh, yeah. of course it doesn't happen here because it, you know, it's a video game. It can't. One, you know, it, it, what happens, happens. And there's not a lot of uh, like co-op puzzle games. There's Portal Two, for instance, which is really fun to solve puzzles oh, together. Yes, and uh, and I think it's kind of the same, not on the same level we have achieved, but we have achieved the scenarios where people are sitting together and brainstorming together how to solve the solution. And then I think that's that's a really good time to have with your friends. Now, just to be clear, there is local multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, is that yeah. possible? So how have you done that? You, you can plug in multiple 360 controller or whatever controller in your PC and off you go? Is that how it works? Precisely, or? yeah. And it's also like coming out to all the next-gen consoles. Well, that's good. I did not know that. I was looking at your website and all I've got is Wii U. I was going to ask you about right at the end. Uh, it's, yeah. it's just, uh, But uh, anyway, we're jumping ahead ourselves because I've, I've got a question about single-player versus co-op. Obviously, the co-op came first, but you've made a single-player element as well. How did you find balancing those two aspects of the game? Because you clearly, there's going to be some people who are hermits and who like to play the games on their own. This is cool, it's fine, it's lovely, and they still get something out of it. What, how have you found balancing those two aspects of the game? It's been a huge challenge, I would say. Uh, it's definitely not easy, and I don't think we've succeeded 100%. Uh, I think it's definitely... F- a fine game in single player but it's much more fun in co-op um, I enjoy playing it single player a lot and I, I probably played it mostly in single player because it's it's easiest uh, if you don't really have your friends online but I think Force is the kind of game that you kind of buy and then you spend two or three days on it really hectically with your friends and then that was basically it uh, unless you're an extremely hardcore player and you want to gather everything you can and then you have like maybe six or seven or eight days of playtime. Right. Okay. Which leads me on to my next sort of query. Is really about, I noticed that in the multiplayer menus and stuff, you have, I, I did spot it. I was quite bemused by it but uh, and amazed it was there. A facility to stream to Twitch? Am I wrong in saying that? I definitely saw a button on the screen. Yeah, um, we integrated Twitch um, we, it's kind of new for them uh, also with the engine we are using which is Unity and the integration that Twitch has made for Unity is kind of new so it's not completely perfect but it definitely works for a lot of players and we are going to focus on Twitch with Faust and the coming games we are making because it's so fun to see people stream your game So tell me, what do you think of all this Let's Play stuff? I think it's fabulous because I used to do it way before it actually kicked off because back in the day it was really hard to do especially on console games and I actually did it with console games I don't ask how the cabling was horrific but I did it um, is, is this a reaction to that this inclusion of just seeing how people are just playing games and talking over them and putting them on YouTube is that is that what you, you're reacting to do you think I mean yeah first of all it's a, it's a really good marketing catalyst but it's also uh, it's really fun uh, personally as a developer to see people play your game and it's hard to do that without sitting 
next to them, and if you sit next to them, they are totally spoiled. They will not play neutrally, and they will behave weird because they are like not feeling comfortable that you're. That's right. Sitting yeah. So it's, it's not, yeah. It's no offense to yourself, but yeah, no. when you're sitting next to a developer and I'm playing a game, going, don't screw up, don't screw up, and the other developer's going, please like this game. Oh, he's okay. That's fine. Uh, I mean, yeah. I played one game uh, at a demo station. I, I I crashed it. I found a bug right in front of the developer. Uh, really sorry. And he goes, no, no, that's fine. I appreciate it. Basically, it was some pathfinding that it, a character mm. was completely stuck in, on a wall, and I broke the game. Like, sorry. He goes, it's okay. It's in alpha. It's all right. Um, but uh, it, it's it is. It, you're right. When you're actually recording it yourself, and you're actually putting on a bit of performance anyway, so you. You push yourself in different places when you're playing a game for an audience, as opposed to and you're just much uh, you're much more focused and so on. If you're just yeah. namely sitting and streaming and so on, and you're tired and and so on, you can you usually play more from a realistic perspective. Yeah, but what's lovely is that you do get chat comments scrolling up, going, "What are you doing?" Now, if you do that, look to your left or like, "Oh yes, that's yeah. I should do that." And you get this rolling. Sometimes you get. Uh, um, ridiculous abusive comments most of the time it's really constructive like if you have you tried have you thought of doing this oh yes that's a good idea um, so I'm, I'm really really I was really impressed to see that and well done to to to, to actually incorporate that into the into the game itself um, I'm not sure of many other games that do that I think Starcraft does it um, yeah. and that sort of stuff but um, yeah well done very Thanks. forward thinking Um so visually, the game is beautiful. I'm just overwhelmed at how glorious it really looks. I just wanted to ask, how how is the aspect managed and developed? Sounds a bit dry question, but the amount of assets you must have developed and to put in to, to make it look so glorious must have been quite quite a task. Was that yeah? That has been like especially insane to do from an industry perspective. Uh, We've scrapped the, the art pipeline three times, and I think uh, we remade every single asset we had half one and a half year ago. So we made everything you see now within yeah almost a year, um, because we we got a better art style, <clears throat> and so half of our team is basically artists. So we are really low on designers and programmers compared to artists. Um, Oh. And in that way, uh, I mean, we have five artists, um, and I, yeah, they just made a really good job and and made a, yeah a ton of assets. So that answers a lot of questions then, because it is overwhelming how beautiful this game looks. And now it's like ah, because it's 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 your your company seems to be not to say driven by, but certainly the core of it is is visual artists, which is fantastic, and it really shows through in the game. Um, yeah. and it's, People are really good at, uh, at like uh, creating the levels where they use uh, the same asset from all different angles, and then the it seems like it's twenty different assets, but it's basically just one. So, uh, so in that way, it's also smart. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's my feedback to you visually. As 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 much as it is entertaining, the the visual feedback you get from being being successful. And that's something that video games are really, really good ones are really good at. It's like when you you push your risk, you push it so hard, and like, and you actually pull it off. And the visual feedback you get from from Force is amazing. Um, you mean the success screen or just 
when you're taking out multiple enemies, for example. Oh, yeah, okay, and, and the uh, completely scattered in body parts and so on. Yeah, it's just like that. It's like, yep, you did it. You you almost died. You you almost pushed it too far. But here's your reward for actually getting away with that. Yeah. Please don't do it again. No, no, I'm going to do it again. Oh, great. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> but it's, and that's something that games do. But I want to talk about also, away from the visuals, the, the sound and the music and the effects really come together really well. But I was really impressed by the, the, the voice acting, um, which is, it, it's all over the place. It's a lot of talking. And, and, and Balthus, coming back to him, uh, he, he says some stuff. Um, he, does, he does say some stuff about the Guardians, who we've mentioned. And I just want to ask, the writing and the humor of that, how did that come about? Was it later on in the process? Where did that slot, where did he come in? Balthus? Yeah, really late in the process that, uh, that he started talking. Um, but, uh, it, it was kind of like a polished decision, uh, that we wanted some extra atmosphere. And since we were kind of low on, on story, we wanted something that added a bit more to that. And then we were portal fans. So we wanted something that, we thought it would be cool to have something that reminded a bit of Gladys. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's just this cozy company that he just, uh, yeah, that he adds, um, and he sort of comments on your pr- progress in each trial. And we just thought that would be cool, but it was like, it was huge amounts of work, but, um, but at the end, I think it really fitted fast. Is it, I mean, he's quite benevolent, isn't he? He's, he seems, well, he seems to be initially anyway. Um, to be like, it's actually mostly our one of our programmers that wrote him, and then wow. uh, we, had, we had these small uh, four-man feedback groups where we gave feedback on it and and suggested different lines and so on. But uh, it was actually one of our programmers who who's always wanted to be a writer who, who did it. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, there's a lot of multi-skilled, multi-talented people out in the game development field. I know you that no, you know that for certain because you are that way inclined you know, people think oh these are just writers and he's just a programmer and i think actually no there are people with multiple skills and writing is a skill it really is um, yeah it is and uh, to actually get entertainment and, and for me for when i'm writing reviews and stuff i always struggle with grabbing the reader especially now um because they have to keep their attention and i just use cheap jokes it works uh for not the expense <laughs> of the game but just the expense of the reader. Like, and I think just, you know, and I usually actually open up with the two or three words that summarizes my feelings, my initial gut feelings towards the game. And mm. then normally that grabs people as well. It's just little tricks that I try to keep people. And then I'll throw in screenshots of it through. So they keep them, you know, oh look shiny. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's, it's just a way of me trying to keep people's attention, which is a constant struggle in this day and age. Um, just one sign off then. I mean, you said talked about it's coming on Xbox One and, and PS4. Is that right? Yeah, it is. And uh, also, it's currently on the Wii. Well, it will be on the Wii U. Or is uh, it it's also coming. There. It's coming to all the platforms at the same time. At least that's the plan right now. Any any but date for that? Not a specific mm-hmm. date, but it's probably not going to be before the summer next year, unfortunately. But oh, okay. we might upgrade it uh, slightly. Also, the PC version uh, when we reach that. And so, how, have you, how have you found working on those platforms? We haven't started working on it. We can't do that before around February next year. That's why oh, we can't. right. Okay. Uh, but did you worked on the Wii U version, or you have, or you haven't? Or? Only from a design perspective, because we wanted to figure out if we could utilize the game uh, pad in an interesting right. way. Okay. But, yeah, I can't reveal what we're thinking about. <laughs> 
It's a surprise. It's, uh, I understand. We'll keep some surprises. But it's currently available on PC, Mac, and Linux, and Steam, and many other outlets, including, is it forcethegame.com? That's, that's yeah, where, yeah. where you can get hold of it. Yeah. Um, and I can say to everyone, it's, it's a fabulous game. I would highly recommend it. I have to thank you, sir, uh, Stefan, for your time and for uh, launching the, the Sausage Factory, which I really appreciate. Um, thank you, too. Yeah, thanks very much for your time. So, bye, everyone. 